Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I want to use the subject this evening, discipleship is costly. That's what Jesus is dealing with in the second portion of the chapter. This morning he began by asking his disciples who people said he was. And then asked them who they say that he is. Then he immediately begins to instruct them about his death and the final things that are going to take place in the city of Jerusalem. And it's always striking to me that he points out the problems that he is going to have is going to come from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, the religious people of the community. And it makes me wonder if the problems that Jesus has in this day and time come from within or from without the church that he has established. But he points out to his disciples that he must go into Jerusalem and there he will suffer many things and he will finally be killed and then he will resurrect from the grave. And Peter doesn't like what he's hearing and says to Jesus in that 22nd verse, he took Jesus aside a little bit from from the rest of them. He took him and began to rebuke him, and Peter said to him, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Now, why is it that anybody would dispute what Jesus himself had said? But it is not uncommon for many people, and oftentimes we do it ourselves, is actually challenge the Lord and in essence say to him, Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. We know better. We have a, a better idea. That's what really is taking place when we take our preconceived ideas and go to the scripture to try to prove our point. Instead of taking the scripture and out of the scripture come up with what the teaching of the Lord would be. That's what Peter did in saying, Lord, I don't buy that. I don't believe you. I have another idea. And I tell you, Lord, what you're saying won't happen. But the older I get, the more I realize that the Lord is exact in the statements that he makes in the scripture. And we as Christian people need to bring our lives into accord with what Jesus has said instead of trying to take our ideas and make the scripture or make Jesus' teaching fit what we think he should have said. Now Jesus turns to Peter He really turns on him. He gives Peter a tongue lashing. 
I've had a few of those from the Lord. You ever had one? As a matter of fact, he's done more than give me a few tongue lashings. He has laid the whip to me on a few occasions, and I had to recognize that it was the Lord doing it because I became so self-centered that I thought I knew more than the Lord, and the Lord has to straighten me out. And he turns to Peter and calls him a name. He calls him Satan. He calls him the devil. Some people think that Jesus was talking to Satan in this verse. He wasn't talking to Satan at all. He was looking Peter right in the eye. And he was saying, Peter, you are Satan in this instance. You are his voice. You're saying what he wants said. Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense unto me. Come back to the word offense in a moment. Over in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, we have these words. As the heaven is, high, is higher than the earth. Let me read it over because I misquoted as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What's he saying? He, I believe, is saying to us, man, don't think you know more than I do. Man, don't think that your words have more weight than my words. I am supreme and superior. In Proverbs 14, 12, he says, There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end is the way of death. The unsaved are engaged in a tremendous gamble. And that is that they know more than God. They're betting that they're right and that God is wrong. They're betting that they're right and the Bible is wrong. They're betting that they're right and the church is wrong. It's a tremendous gamble when you're gambling with your life. It's playing Russian roulette with one's eternity. I doubt that there is any of us here who are so stupid that we would take a pistol and turn the cylinder with one shell in it and put it to our head and bet that we're going to win. That would be a dangerous thing to do. And yet, mankind across this world, by the millions, are putting the gun of eternity to their head and pulling the trigger, in betting that the one shell is going to miss them. And God's word will always be true. It makes no difference what man thinks, it's what does God think. Psalm 92, 5 and 6 says, 
How great are thy works, O Lord, thy thoughts. I can't read my own writing. R. Couldn't see the word. I was mis- let me so let me quote it over. How great are thy works, O Lord, thy thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this. A senseless man does not know the works of God. A stupid man does not understand the works of God. And then he comes up and challenges God on his turf. Would it not be rather stupid of me to debate a nuclear physicist about how to put a satellite in orbit? I mean, I would be absolutely ridiculous to stand in debate with that man whose knowledge of all of those things that it takes to send up a rocket, I wouldn't even know the terminology. And yet man dares to talk about God and to God and say, I know more than you. And yet this is what Peter was doing when he said to Jesus, Lord, it will never be. Jesus called him Satan and said, you are an offense to me. We're offensive to each other often. I suppose we don't go through very many weeks, but what we either intentionally or unintentionally become offensive to somebody. Saying something that either by design or by ignorance causes us to be offensive. Causes that we are offensive sometimes just by our very appearance. Or by whether or not we have taken a bath and all the other things, but mostly we are offensive in that which we say and do with each other, and we take offense at it, and we get our back up, we bristle. And Jesus is saying, I have got my back up with you, Peter. I'm bristling at your statement. You have been offensive to me in presuming that you can make such a statement. He said, you do not understand the things of God. I believe most of us are in that category at some time or other. Then he says to his disciples in verse 24, if any man will come after me, that is, if any man will follow me, He sets a standard for discipleship. If you and I are going to follow Jesus Christ, there is something expected of us. And he states it well in this verse. Let a man deny himself. Listen. We will not follow Jesus when we are self-important. Putting ourselves first. Taking in consideration our own needs and our own desires and our own prejudices. What deny really means is disown. 
If a man will follow Jesus Christ, he will disown himself in order that he might give himself fully and completely to Jesus Christ. Now we'll cool off with rain. It's going to help the roof and take all that heat up. Anybody leave the car windows down? Judy, put mine up while you're out there, will you? I'm serious. I think mine are down. <laughs> okay. Anybody else need them up? It won't hurt to get wet inside this book. He said, let a man deny himself. Put himself out of the picture. But Peter was one who just now had said, Lord, you are the Son of God. And soon will say, I never knew you. Peter denied the Lord when he had already said, I will follow you, I will be your disciple. And he turns around and blasphemes the very name of the person he follows. This is the most revolting thing that a person who is a Christian can do is to deny the very person that they have pledged allegiance to. Peter is despicable in this statement. And Jesus puts him in his place and calls him offensive. Maybe we can get over being offensive to each other, but I tell you that Jesus does not take lightly our being offensive against his name. So if any man will come after me, the principle is deny yourself. Then he says, and take up your cross. Now I want to deal with that question. What is your cross? Take up your cross and follow me, he says. Let me tell you first of all some things that it is not. Taking up your cross does not mean carrying the normal hardships of life. That's not our cross. Carrying your cross does not mean to some of you ladies who have unsaved husbands that you have to carry that cross all your life because he's not saved. You're not carrying a cross simply because you have unsaved children. We men are not carrying a cross if we say, well, I've got a nagging wife and I guess I'm going to have to live with her the rest of my life. Uh, that's my cross to bear. It is not a cross to have a physical handicap and say, this is my cross to bear. We're sick and it's not our cross simply because we're sickness. Those things we might bear, but Jesus does not place those upon us as crosses to bear. What the cross is that he wants us to bear is our willingness to endure for his namesake shame Embarrassment, reproach, rejection, persecution, and martyrdom, even if that's necessary. He wants us to carry our willingness to suffer whatever for his name's sake. And if it means going to the gallows, we should willingly go that route. Most of us, and probably none of us, will 
uh, most of us will not, and none of, I'm sure none of us will ever be asked to endure the carrying of the cross of martyrdom. Though there are people in this world who are carrying that cross and have paid the full penalty, there are plenty of people who are being persecuted because of their faith in Christ. There are people who are being rejected, who are being reproached, who are being embarrassed, who are being put to shame by uh, people in general, by the, the population of the world. And this might very well be the cross that we must bear, but we're bearing it in order that Jesus Christ receive glory. Nothing in there shows us that we are going to uh, be able to turn our minds, our hearts to self-pity and think, poor little me. It doesn't give us that privilege. I'm being persecuted, feel sorry for me. It doesn't give us that privilege. I'm being embarrassed, don't feel sorry for me. It doesn't give that privilege. It means embarrassed for the cause of Christ means sharing shame because of the cross of Christ. Reproach. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 verse 25 that if they have called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more are the members of his household? Now let's decipher that a little bit. We know that they called Jesus Beelzebul. Beelzebul was a god, one of the Baals. It was the least of all the gods because it was the god that flies worship. He was called the god of the flies, the lowest, most despicable god that could ever be conceived was Jesus being called a god that only flies would worship. And Jesus said, if people are going to call me that low a name, what do you think they're going to do to my members of my household? And so we're going to be called all kinds of names, and we will suffer willingly because of Jesus Christ. There is a story told, and I'm hurrying through this because I know you're hot and tired, of a slave during our slavery days that was down in the ditch in the mud and the mire with his shovel covered with all kinds of filth shoveling out the ditch and as he did so he had a smile on his face and he was singing and the slave said to the master or I, well let me rephrase it the master said to the slave why are you so happy down there in that ditch and the slave responded because I love Jesus and he saved my soul and he put a song in my heart and he went right on slinging the mud out of the ditch. Because I love Jesus, he saved my soul and put a song in my heart. And the master standing up on dry ground said to the slave, what could I do to have that kind of happiness? And the slave said, go get on your Sunday best suit and come get down here in the ditch with me and shovel this mud. And the master said, no way in this world am I going to do that. The second day, the 
Master asked the slave the same question. The slave said, I told you yesterday what you got to do. You got to go get your best suit on and get down here in the ditch and sling mud with the rest of us. And the third day, the same question. And finally, the master said, all right, I'll do it. And the slave said, and now you don't have to do it. All you had to do was be willing to do it. That's what Jesus expects of us. He may not ask us to go to the mission field, but he does ask us to be willing to go if he beckons us. He does not ask us to live in poverty, but he asks us to be willing to live in poverty if he asks us to. He does not ask us to go to jail, but he expects us to be willing to suffer jail if necessary. And there are those who have complied with that. He does not ask us to die for his name's sake, but he does ask us to be willing to die should he call upon us along that line. He expects us to be willing to serve him in whatever capacity he might decide. Let a man deny himself and take up his cross. Whatever it might be that the Lord Jesus assigns and follow willingly. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus? It's going to cost you. It may cost you comfort. It might in some cases cost you even family members who will disown you if you become Christian. It might cost you the uncomfortable situation of being embarrassed and reproached and rejected and persecuted. Someday some of us might be called upon to give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we have followed Christ, we will not be like Peter and say, Lord, I know better. But say, Lord, your will be done. I do not want to be an offense unto you. Wherever you lead, I will follow have you taken up your cross? Or are you sitting around living in self-pity because you think you've gotten a raw deal out of life? Some of those raw deals we bring upon ourselves or other people bring them upon us. Our cross is carried in order that people might see it to give glory to the one who carried the great cross to the top of Calvary. We follow in his footsteps if we're his disciples. Are you willing to pay the price? It might cost you. The payday is coming. He's going to bless us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.